You're listening to Historically Speaking, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. I'm Kylie Smith, the archivist and the museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. And with me today, I'm excited to have Kay Larson, former fraternity president and former fraternity historian. Hello, Kay. Hi, Kylie. I can't tell you how excited I am to be chatting with you. We've worked together pretty much since I came to Kappa headquarters in 2001, and you have shaped many of my interests and career as Kappa's archivist and museum director. I don't think a day goes by that someone asks me a question and I don't stop to think, did Kay already answer that? Have we answered that together? So thank you for your friendship, your sisterhood, and your influence. You're very welcome. Certainly, I love Kappa and I'm devoted most of my adult life to serving our sisterhood in one way or another. We both definitely share the same love of history, especially Kappa history, and I think we've made a great team. I agree. So for our first foray into answering history questions together, we thought it would be fun to talk about one of our favorite Kappas. The question sent in was, please tell me about some of the early Kappas who are examples of the fraternity's tradition of leadership. Why was Kate Shelley from Omicron chapter at Simpson College considered a heroine? Well, Kylie, you know about Kate because she's from your chapter. And I've known about her because I was fraternity president when we reinstalled Omicron chapter in 1992. Yes, and we just laugh because in our chapter house at Simpson, we had a black and white photograph of Kate Shelley. It was framed and hung in our formal living room. Every single education chair from our chapter would tell us about Kate, and then that poor chair would get incredibly frustrated when the rest of the members would later include Kate Shelley as one of the six founders of Kappa wasn't a founder, but we knew that she was important and we had her photo hanging. So it just seemed logical to most that she may have been a founder. You all were right. Kate was important, but definitely not one of our founders. She was only around seven years old when the founders announced themselves on October 13, 1870 at Monmouth College in Illinois. Kate is believed to have been born in Ireland in 1863 and immigrated to the United States with her parents in 1865. They eventually settled in Iowa, and Kate took on the adult responsibilities in running the family farm after her father and 10-year-old brother died. According to an article in the spring 1992 issue of The Key, on July 6, 1881, a terrible storm hit the town of Moingona, Iowa. Five hours of torrential rain and almost constant flashes of lightning were terrifying, but the courage and determination of a young girl saved the passengers on a seven-car train, and the legend of Kate Shelley became part of railroad history. You know, she was 17 years old, and I think about when I was 17 years old, I pay attention to detail today as, as much as I can, but when I was 17, I probably didn't. So I'm not certain that even if I heard the train over the noise of a storm, would I actually put together what was happening? Well, her father was a railroad worker and died in an accident, and their farm was near the railroad. So perhaps she had a greater sense of awareness in all things railroad. Anyway, on the night of the storm, Kate watched the water rise and swirl until waves rolled and lashed over the banks of Honey Creek, 
sweeping away the farm fences. Despite the noise of the rain and wind, Kate heard the sound of a nearby train. It was known as a helper, an engine which checked the tracks and bridges before the night express came through with a load of passengers. Hearing a hissing sound, Kate realized that the boiler had struck the water and the engine had gone under. She knew the water had washed the piers from under the trestle bridge and she needed to help the drowning man. Okay, so she's out in the rain with just an old oil lantern and she heads towards where she hears this wreck? Yes, and of course, Honey Creek is only getting higher with the rain so she can't cross it. The bridge near her house is out and the Midnight Express is due in less than an hour. So she starts to make her way through the woods trying to get to Moingota Station. And remember, this isn't just like a cleared path or trail through the woods. It's dark, there's a lot of underbrush, and she has to fight her way through what likely feels like a jungle to get to the next section of railroad tracks, which, by the way, then crossed another trestle bridge, 500-foot bridge over the Des Moines River. I was reading in a Des Moines Register profile of famous Iowans that Kate's brother had drowned in that river a couple of years earlier. He did. So that surely made the prospect of crossing that bridge, a bridge made for trains, not people, and crossing that river that much more frightening. She then heard cries from Honey Creek, which empties into the Des Moines River. And when she swung her lantern around, she saw two men clinging to fallen trees, the survivors of the engine wreck. So Kate signaled with her lantern that she was going to get help. But when she got to the bridge, the lantern went out. <laughs> Seriously? I'm not sure. Can this get worse? Seriously. So she's at the bridge that's 500 feet high with no lantern. As she told the story, she got down on her hands and knees, clutched the track rail as a guide, and crawled across that long, dreadful space through the raging storm. She ended up crawling 700 feet across that bridge, and the rough wooden ties and iron spikes tore at her skin and clothes. And one bit of railroad trivia, the bridge had been built without planking. So there was nothing beneath the ties, and they could be as much as three feet apart. And think about how narrow the actual rail was, usually no more than six, six inches wide. So maybe it was good that it was so dark and she couldn't see below. You're probably right. Well, there she is on the bridge. And in a flash of lightning, she sees a huge tree being swept along upright in the water, coming straight for her. In her own words, she thought the end had come. By the mercy of God, the tree swept under, only the branches brushing her feet. She finally made it across and ran another quarter of a mile to the station, where she burst in yelling, Stop the passenger train. The bridge has gone out. The engine has gone down. Then she fainted. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would have fainted too. <laughs> 
But she wasn't out for long because then she led the rescuers back to the scene of the accident where the bridge near her house had washed out and the engine fell into Honey Creek. The people on the Midnight Express, five passenger cars and two sleeper cars were saved. I remember that they named that new bridge at Honey Creek for her, the Kate Shelley Bridge, but was she recognized besides that? Oh yes, she received numerous awards in recognition of her bravery. A commemorative medal from the Iowa State Legislature, a gold watch and chain from the conductors of the Burlington Railroad, a silver lantern from the employees of the Chicago Northwestern Railroad, a gold medal from the children of Dubuque, and a Dubuque citizen erected a drinking fountain in her honor. And when I was searching our digital archives, here is a quick plug for those. You can find them at kappa.historyit.com. I was also checking her membership record, and between those two, I found that there have been a few inconsistencies, which will be no surprise to the genealogists and historians who are listening. First, we know that she enrolled at Simpson College in Indianola, Iowa that next fall in 1882, and a few weeks later she joined Omicron Chapter. She attended college for only a year, but the Kappas were so incredibly proud of her, and she is said to have been a diligent and earnest student who cherished her experiences and her ties with Kappa. Other sources have pointed out that she left school so that she could continue to help out at home. Also, both her birth date and the spelling of her name were confusing to me. Her headstone says that she was born on September 25th, 1865, but the church records state that she was baptized on December 12th, 1863. So I think they were confused by the, the time that they had arrived in the United States. So we have on her membership record in our database that her birthday is September 25th, 1863, which means she was about 17 when all of this happened. And her headstone also says that her last name is spelled S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. But in every instance of her name appearing in our magazine, even when it was a first person interview with quotes from her, so likely approved by her, it was spelled S-H-E-L-L-Y without that second E. I also found the passenger list from when they came over from Ireland and it's spelled S-H-E-L-L-Y. So we left her name spelled that way in the database, but if you go out and Google her elsewhere, you'll see that it's spelled occasionally S-H-E-L-L-E-Y. So I made all of these, these changes in our, or kept them in our database and I added a note and citations of course, so that future historians like you and me don't have to read mm -hmm. the wheel. Good for you. We know her badge and her Omicron chapter guard are still in the possession of her family, along with her treasured honors. And appropriately, in 1904, Kate Shelley became the station manager at Moingona. She died at an early age after appendicitis operation in 1912. So the original question was asked about Kappas, who are examples of the fraternity tradition of leadership. And it's clear that Kate Shelley showed leadership even before she was a member of Kappa Kappa Gamma. Her story, told worldwide in children's books and on the PBS television series, 
Reading Rainbow have inspired several generations. I just love her story so much and still how pleased we are to call Kate our sister. Our Omicron sisters wrote this about Kate in an 1884 article for The Golden Key, which is now known as The Key. Heroism in any form always demands and receives universal admiration and respect. The pages of history offer no more striking example of heroism than that displayed by our noble sister, Kate Shelley. Though her name has been sounded all over the land in praise for nearly three years, there is not a trace of ambition or pride about her. She is, and we believe always will be, a true, unselfish, noble-hearted woman. Wow, what a woman, and what a kappa. Amazing indeed. Thank you, Kay, for helping us kick off this series, and I can't wait to answer more questions with you. To our dear listeners, if you have a question that you'd like us to cover, you can send it to the email archives at kkg.org. Until next time. Thank you. We look forward to answering another campus question about our fraternity. You've been listening to Historically Speaking, brought to you by Kappa Kappa Gamma, with generous support from the Kappa Kappa Gamma Foundation. Our headquarters is in Columbus, Ohio. Our house museum is in Monmouth, Illinois, and you can find us online at kappa.org. All Things 150th is at our special website, kappaturns150.org, and you can peruse our digital archives at kappa.historyit.com. Research is by former fraternity president and fraternity historian Kay Smith Larson from Beta Pi Chapter at the University of Washington. And production is done by me, Kylie Smith, archivist and museum director for Kappa Kappa Gamma. Thank you.